Welcome to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast, where changing the world starts with changing the home, with your host, Meredith Curtis. I'm Meredith Curtis. Welcome to Finish Well Podcast. I'm so excited that you're here with us today. This is episode 153. If you're looking in the show notes, looking for show notes. And I am so excited today because I have a very special guest, Carrie Beck. Um, She is a homeschooling mom and a publisher and a conference overseer and she just does it all and she's just a wonderful woman of God and Carrie thank you so much for being on with us today well you're welcome thank you for having me I'm just so excited to be here and just be able to visit about some of these homeschooling ideas yes and I love I love all your teaching on leadership I just cannot get enough of it and um, but before we get started can you just tell us a little bit about yourself Sure. Um, Well, let's see. But I will start even before kids. I was actually a public school teacher for six years. And then once I had my first child, I quit and then stayed home with my kids. We put our kids in private school for a while. And then after my oldest finished fourth grade, God was calling us to homeschooling, not because we felt the call originally. He was like, I'm going to make it. So this is all you have, Carrie. And so (laughs) Steve and I both just decided, you know, and it really was a blessing from God. I didn't know what a blessing it would be, but um, we fell in love with homeschooling and we homeschooled for 10 years. Um, our, uh, I have three kids, Ashley Gentry and Hunter. Hunter's the baby. He did go back to a private Christian school for 10th, 11th, and 12th grade. I did not want to, uh, put him back, but that summer God worked on me and, um, he and his dad were ready to put him back, but there was <laughs> no space. And so a week beforehand, I said, Hey, Hunter, you just got your, permit you want to drive me up there we're going to put you on the waiting list so I we drove up he drove up and he waited in the car and I went in I said I know there's no room in his class but here is his um application and she said well sit down just for a minute I said okay and she goes looking on her computer and she's like we had someone drop out last night there's a spot for Hunter yeah tell me about it I was like okay God if that doesn't speak volumes and so I do know that there are times I love homeschooling. I support homeschooling. I want, I mean, I just think it's the best thing because you can build relationships, but there are times that God calls us to something different. So don't ever feel guilty or bad about that. Anyway, so I have three kids. I'll just make this real quick. Ashley's married and she has two little girls, four and seven. Gentry is married and she has a two-year-old and a five or six month old little boy. We have one grandson and then Hunter is single and um, just started his own business. And he just moved over to Hawaii where his first client is. So wow. anyway, that's sort of us in a nutshell. Well, that is really exciting. And you have, I know that you're a grandmother. I'm a grandmother. I just had a new grandbaby and um, it, there is just such fun to see our children on that that road. And one thing that I've enjoyed so much in my homeschool, and I hear you talk about it all the time, is lifetime learners. 
So let's start with that. What is a lifetime learner? And, you know, what, what does it look like? How do you cultivate that in children? Yeah, it probably is one of my passions. What I discovered is a lot of times, whether you send your kids to public school or a private school, or you're at home trying to follow that school system model, we just teach our kids to just sort of follow whatever the teacher or the mom is saying. And we don't really encourage them to love learning. And what I have found is people that really grow all their life are people that are always learning. I look at leaders um, that I follow, just business leaders and other type church leaders, and they are always learning about all sorts of things. I mean, yes, they're learning about the Bible, but they're learning about other things as well. And I like to say um, a lot of times I think their library is bigger than their TV and they really are using their time wisely yes. with books and growing, or they could be growing in podcasts. I know Hunter and I were talking yesterday and talking about leadership and learning. And I know he learns a lot through podcasts as well. He reads too. So I think a lifetime learner is someone that is constantly um, learning and it can be about different topics. I think they also, if you want your kids to love learning for a lifetime, I think there's two things they need from you and they're not going to happen instantly. I think they need the tools of learning. They need mm-hmm. to know how to learn on their own. And then I think they need a love of learning because if they love learning and they have the tools they are not dependent on a teacher from high school or wherever they can actually learn for life and be able to continue to learn and grow in themselves. That is so good. And as soon as you said that immediately, what came to mind is how many children say, mom, I hate school. Just tell me what I have to do. I want to get it done. And what does a mom do? I mean, I want to say that You know, my oldest daughter, if I probably set her in a room with good books and and musical instruments, she would have used it. But then I had other children coming along behind her that if I left them alone to do what they wanted, they would have watched movies all day long. And so, you know, where does that cultivation start? What do you do? What do you do? What do you say to a mom who says, my kids hate school. They hate to learn. They don't care. Yeah, I think that's a real question, a real problem. And I will, I also say, you know, if you go to a conference and you hear these speakers say, oh, all my kids love to learn. They just love learning all the time. And I look at those people that I'm talking to and I'm like, well, that wasn't true about my family because there were times they didn't learn. And sometimes it was just persevering through it. And I think that's okay. Just like God wants us to persevere in life. There's times we just need to do it because we need to do it. But I do think there are some things that you can do to cultivate an enjoyment of learning. My first question usually to moms is, do you like to learn? What are you modeling? And if you could see me, I would be holding up my phone and saying, how much time do you spend here? And how much time do your kids, how much time do your kids see you on your phone? As opposed to how much time do your kids see you reading your Bible? How much time do they see you reading a, um, a, a good book or writing about what you're learning or listening to a good podcast or something? I mean, there's a lot, there's a variety of ways to learn, but, um, I think we teach our kids whatever we're doing, they are going to copy. 
And so the first thing I say is you need to take an inventory of yourself. And you may love, I, I've always enjoyed learning, but that didn't mean I always modeled my love of learning. And so I had to really be more intentional about it. So that's one thing. And then I would find things that your children are truly interested in and pursue some of those. For instance, it doesn't matter what the topic is when you're teaching your kids to write a paragraph. And I'll give you an example. Hunter was, um, his assignment was something like write a five paragraph paper about a person. Well, we were studying Rome and I'm thinking, and I love history. I was like, oh, wouldn't that be cool if you wrote about a Roman emperor and he learned all about, he would learn so much more about ancient Rome. And so I told him and oh my goodness, he just looked at me like, okay, mom, whatever. And then I started going, okay, does it really matter the topic? We just bought him a book on Derek Jeter. For those of you that don't know, he's a New York Yankees shortstop. That's a baseball (laughs) player, moms, if you don't know what sports are. He was awesome. Like he was top baseball player. And so Hunter had this book and I, the next day I said, well, what if, what if instead of that Roman emperor thing, I said, what if we do a paper on Derek Jeter? Well, he all of a sudden became interested in it. And so I would gather he, he did, he wrote a much better paper on Derek Jeter than if I had forced him to write one on history, which he loves history now. But I'm going to tell you right now, his whole growing up, he didn't like history at all. He didn't like to read. He didn't like anything. He loves to learn now. So there's. I'm saying a whole bunch of stuff, but number one, you need to model learning. Number two, use your kids' interest and let them make some choices about that and take ownership. And I had another one. And as I started to repeat myself, I sort of forgot what that third one is. But um, well, that's okay, because you hit on such a good thing. When you were talking about the paragraph, I was thinking, that's so easy. Because sometimes we might have a writing curriculum that says, okay, write a paragraph on parrots, but our kids don't even care about birds. And it would be so easy to substitute something in and like what you did. And that's not hard. That's Mm -hmm. not like going out and, you know, climbing a mountain or learning (laughs) to, you know, parachute or whatever, but that's just really practical and really easy. So those were great. And you know what you said about modeling? I think so much comes down to children catch more than we teach them. They catch more of how we live and they become who we are. So that is, and I want to go back a little to the beginning when I talked about lifetime learning, you mentioned leadership and Carrie, I've noticed that too. Leaders are always always, always learning. So if, if parents are listening and they say, you know, I want my child to take a stand in the world. I want them to be a leader. I want them to make a difference. Can you explain more how those two go hand in hand? Yes, I can. And I want to repeat what you just said about more is you catch a phrase I use is more is caught than taught. Good. And that's really true. More is caught than taught. Think about that. I'll just let y'all think. Leaders and learning. Okay, so if someone is going to lead, first of all, let me just take a step back. I've had one, actually one of my children and their spouse were like, I don't know about all this leadership stuff, mom. Like, is it really that important? You know, is everyone going to be leaders? And I was like, you know what? 
I think that all, 99% of all kids will be a leader because 99% will be dads and moms. No, they're not going to be CEO right. of a company. They may not be president of the United States. They may not be mayor or city council person or an elder at their church. But a mom and a dad are leading their family. And I believe they need the tools of leadership skills. And so that is one of my hearts is that this is a skill that's important because leadership, think about it. Leadership is influence. Nothing more, nothing less. Mm -hmm. Leadership is influencing others and we're all influencing. And so how are we? Are we influencing for God? Or are we influencing and we don't even realize we're getting sucked into the world? Um, and anyway, so I think that's really important. I think part of this is as leaders, we need to be learning. I'm going to be really honest. When I had a two-year-old, yeah, I babysat and all, but I learned a lot about two, three, and four-year-olds right then. And I needed to know how to learn for myself and how to be a good mom. And some of that is watching other moms. And some of that was actually going to scripture and seeing what God wanted us to do. So there's a variety of ways we need to learn. And I'm not saying all learning takes place in a book, but I think we have gotten away from good books to be able to learn. And um, I will uh, just case in point, I was reading Anna Green Gables last spring and um, we were actually, I was working with some of my leadership moms that were working on it. And so we chose a book and we, every day we were reading the book and then writing one page in a journal. And I'd read Anna Green Gables. I don't think I read it as a kid, but I read it with my girls and I just, I was like, oh my gosh, I just forgot so much of the story. I wasn't mm-hmm. reading the cliff notes. I wasn't watching the movie. I was reading the book, but there were some concepts in there that really hit me hard. And one of them was holding a grudge and the other was forgiveness. And this is a book, not the Bible. There is so much that we could learn with that. Anne held a grudge against Gilbert till the end of the book. She would not forgive. And there was, you know, she didn't have victory or freedom or anything. She wasn't really being healed. She was holding that grudge. So even in a, in those good classics, there are real life skills that you can grab and you can teach your kids. Those are also leadership skills because a leader needs to not hold a grudge. They need to manage people. As a parent, we need to know how to forgive our spouse and forgive our kids because our kids are going to probably hurt our feelings sometimes, you know? And so (laughs) there's a lot that we can do just in reading um, books together as well. So that's a little connection about learning and then also leaders as well. I think you're right. I think when I study men who really, men and women who really made a difference, all of them were very well read. Not just like reading novels, but although I think reading novels is super important, but they read things like you go back and think of the books the founding fathers read, you know, Decline and Fall of the Roman Empire and Plutarch's Lives and the philosophers, the Greek philosophers. And, you know, it's just a very Pliny the the Elder. And it's so different from our our reading list. I would like to know what our people in Washington are reading right now. (laughs) Give us a clue of what's happening. But so that, that was really good. I think you really touched on a good point there. So you, you talked about that most of our children will grow up to be moms and dads. 
And that, so take that a little bit further and expand it. Why would moms want to raise their children to be leaders? What, if, if a mom says, well, I don't care about my child becoming a leader, what would you say to them? Well, I would go back and I would talk to them about what their definition of a leader is, because sometimes we're talking about leaders and we're not using the term in the same way, like my daughter, you know, she was thinking that a leader was this high, heavy handed person that was pulling people along. And so I think we need to go back and make sure we're using our terminology the same. When I say leadership is influence, that is not something I said. There's a man named John Maxwell who has, he's a, he used to be a pastor. Now he's an expert on leadership. He teaches leadership courses to businesses and to moms and dads and all. And so I have used his, I used his definition, which is leadership is influence. And there's another guy, James, I think it's James Hunt. James, someone, and he writes about servant leadership. Mm. And if we look at leadership, uh, there's a couple of things I'd say. I want to say leadership, really the most important type of leadership is servant leadership. Who is the greatest leader of all times? Jesus Christ. How did he lead? He led by serving those around him. And so I think when we say, that's why I'm saying we need to make sure we're using all the terms similarly. And I think most of us would like our kids to grow up to be humble and to serve. And a lot of times if they serve others, then they will rise up as a leader. They will influence those around them. I'll tell you another story about Hunter is he was... um, voted classroom champion his senior year. You had to be in sports and you had to be a leader. And the TV station would come out, pick one person every week. And they came out and they said, Hunter, how do you describe your leadership style? And he says, I see myself as a servant leader. I just serve the guys on my team. And I thought, oh, he knows himself quite well because it is really true of him to this day. That's how he leads. He was, we, I was interviewing him for my summit coming up on leadership and asking him, he says, well, when I had an offshore team with my old company, I would find out about their wife. I find out what they were doing on the weekend. I would build a relationship with the people on my team. And so that's why I'm saying leadership is so much bigger than just telling people what to do. It is building relationships and influencing. And I would say most Christian moms want their kids to grow up and follow Jesus and yes. influence others for Jesus and tell others about Jesus. And that's what a leader is really doing. That's really good. And I, I think as you're talking about that, you're moving into character. We're talking about the character. I mean, it takes godly character to want to serve people. It takes godly character sometimes to greet people when you're feeling kind of in a grumpy mood. So what is pretend I'm a mom and I have little ones. Like we both started out with a lot of little ones underfoot and we're caring for them. Maybe they're in the early years of elementary school, or maybe they're toddlers or preschoolers. What things can you start with then to begin to cultivate the skills and character that they're going to need for leadership in the future? 
I think that's a great question because I think most moms think, oh, I'll wait till high school and then I'll start teaching leadership skills. Hmm. And really, we need to back up. When I teach my moms about leadership, but first I talk to moms like you need to, like we said, model and mentor. But the foundation of a godly leader is their character. You know, we look at our leaders in our country and we can look and see the ones that are following God. And I mean, I pray on a regular basis that God would bring more godly leaders into our our, um, leadership of the country. But that's a whole nother story. Okay, so godly character. The best time to start character is when they are one and two years old. I mean, I've had, I mean, I've watched, you've got grandkids. I got a two year old. You can watch her when her mom says, don't pick that up. And you can see the (laughs) wheel spinning. That's a character thing. And so, um, but I think that is one thing. If you need to start that godly biblical character. And I think the best way to do that is to use the Bible as your reference. Um, I've actually shared this story with some people recently. And I say, you know, if you don't know what to do, think of each one of your kids. I would go get a post-it note for each one of your children and I would write their name on each one. And then I would write the character quality you want them to work on whatever they're like arguing was one of our big ones. So, um, and then I would write a verse and then I would put that post-it all, let's say you have four kids. I put all four post-its on the refrigerator and that way you're using the Bible. So when they do the right thing. You go back and you read that verse and then you say, oh, that's, you know, praise them. And then when they don't do it, you go back and you read that verse and they have a consequence. Mm. That way you become a little more consistent. So I say, and you can do that at any age. Um, I think the other thing is when you're working with character is you need to give yourself patience and grace and give your kids grace and patience. It takes time. Pride is one of my weaknesses and God's been working on that for over 60 years, you know, (laughs) and if he's still patient with me, we need to give our kids time to see changes. So I would say doing that and then just also praying for them about that character quality that you're trying to instill in them. And I will make one more comment before. If you have a teenager, instead of teaching them leadership, if they don't have godly character you need to go back to the beginning and start with character instead of trying to teach them leadership skills or communication skills. They need that foundation. And I always tell moms, if if you don't have that character, you go back and start there because that's going to get them further. Perseverance, work ethic, all of those things. So, wow, that is such good stuff. Okay, Carrie, I have got a middle schooler. And we all know that middle school is the squirrely age and I've never worked with them on character, to be honest, you know, I'm just, this is all hypothetical. Of course, no one out there is like that, but, and they are rude to me. They've even, you know, kind of shoved me and they, they battle with me. How do I begin in a situation like that? And is there any hope for that middle schooler to become a godly leader one day, a godly influencer. I think this is a really good question too. I believe there's always hope in Jesus Christ. So the first thing I would encourage is to start praying. And I would talk with your spouse and I would pray for that child. The other thing I would do is I think it's important that we differentiate between house rules and God's rules. And being disrespectful to your mother is, again, I mean, that is not... 
that is not right. That is God saying, no, we need to respect our elders. And so that is a God rule. Making your bed in the morning, it may be disrespectful, but that is a house rule. That was one of our rules. Coming home at 1030 is a house rule, you know, but, um, but being respectful, not lying about wherever you were that night, those are God's rules. So I think it's important we differentiate with our middle schoolers. I also think that you start to work on their heart and you start to build a relationship. I don't know what kind of relationship this mom may have, this hypothetical mom. Um, but I think it's important that you start to build a relationship outside the bad attitude, outside the bad character. So find a time, maybe even say, hey, let's go out and get some ice cream. And just may, if it's possible, take them out and build some positiveness. Sometimes I don't remember the exact number. But most kids hear over 300 negative words in a day and only 17 positive words. So I would say the first thing is start to build on the changing and work on the positive, work with their heart, find a time that they're not disobeying to talk to them. And find a time to show them and look at a Bible verse or two together. Not when they're disobeying. I mean, yes, you need to show them when they're disobeying or they're being rude or disrespectful. But find a time outside of their sin to actually talk to them and show them this is God's rules. It's not even my rules. It's not dad's rules. This is God's rules. And in our house, we are going to always follow God's rules or we're going to strive to follow God's rules. Good. That's very good. And what would be, because I agree with you and we had God's rules and house rules, but I never differentiated between them like that. Although like if something was in the Bible, we talked about it. What do you think is the value of doing that differentiating between the two? One thing I have noticed is sometimes when you don't differentiate, the child thinks everything is the same Mm -hmm. and it becomes legalistic. And they leave for college or they leave to be on their own and they have no control over themselves. They don't know the difference between making a wise decision and obeying God. All of them are rules and I'm throwing all of them out. You know, that's what I have personally said. Or that's what Steve and I saw a lot in high school. And I'll be really honest that the house rule and the gods that didn't mind that Steve's my husband's it's like he, he, in the teen years would make the difference between the house rules and the, and God's rules. And he would talk to other parents about that. And I just sort of followed suit when I would work with moms as well, because I really liked that distinction. Um, and we live in a college town. And so we see kids of all different kinds. Mm. Some of them are following God with grace because they were offered grace and then others grew up in a legalistic home. Every rule was all the same. They didn't know the difference and they were sick of rules. And so they just rebel. So that's sort of what, that's my personal, there's probably other ways to look at it, but that's just where I've come from. No, I love that. I really love that. And I, I think that that is helpful. I'm a pastor's wife. And so I end up in conversations a lot with parents and, you know, they feel that I love that. I just think that's very, so thank your husband, Steve. Thank you. (laughs) Um, So we've talked about middle schoolers. We've talked about elementary schoolers. Talk to me about building uh, character skills, building leadership skills in high school. 
high schoolers. The teens are so awesome. They're so almost adult-like and they're just so fun. They really were. I was like, I'll take care of the kids when they're little. They're your Steve when they're teenagers. Cause I was afraid. <laughs> and I, you know, you have all these visions of what a teenager. We, we had so much fun as a family and we really did build relationships. I will say to me, the be- best benefit of homeschooling is building good relationships that are now still life relationships. Mm. I mean, my kids, we enjoy each other. That doesn't mean we agree on everything, but we do enjoy each other. Um, I would say one of the things we did when the kids were little, I actually, I didn't use post-its, but I had a list of verses and I would choose the verse if they were arguing, I would choose the verse and I would go and we'd talk about it and do whatever consequence. When they got older, I would give them a list of verses or I would give them a concordance and say, you know what? Y'all go off to your own room. I want you to go find three verses in the Bible, what God has to say about your actions right now. And I want you to write something about it and then come back and we'll talk about it. One of the reasons I did it that way is I didn't want them to leave the house thinking they're dependent on mom to figure out everything in the Bible. I wanted to transition them. I wanted them to take ownership. I wanted them to take leadership in their own character. Now, That didn't mean we didn't have some bad times with teenagers or college kids. I mean, we had some ups and downs and we had some really bad struggles. But at the same time, they had that foundation of how to go back to God's word. And now they're instilling that in their own children, you know, at least the ones that have our grandkids. So I think it's important by the time they turn about 13 or 14, you need, it's not easy, mom. You need to cut the apron string. Steve used to say, Carrie, let them do it on their own. It's okay for them to fall <laughs> on their face. And it's so hard because I didn't want them to. But um, anyway, so care, that was one way we sort of let them take ownership. And I, ownership and leadership, I sort of put together. So that's in character. When it comes to learning, I think, again, we need to let our kids take leadership in their education in high school. We had one required course in high school, and that was a humanities class um, that they all went through. Um, And I won't go into detail, but it's from a biblical perspective, and it was really good. After that, they got to make decisions on what they studied. So Ashley and Gentry one year wanted to do astronomy. We found a a online course that was taught by a local guy, and they got to go out to his farm and look at the sky and all sorts of stuff. And that was on their transcript. Um, They also, um, there was a local college, Christian college, and Gentry wanted to take some kind of sports in the Bible. I don't remember. It was some sports thing in Bible. And so she went to that class in high school um, at the little local Christian college. The other thing is, Ashley never finished algebra two. She got a college degree in a year and a half. She got her teaching certificate. And then for two years, when she first got married, um, taught at-risk kids in the public schools because that was her heart. And that was her calling from God. Now, if I told you my daughter didn't finish algebra two, y'all would probably all be going, seriously? That is just horrible. We're math and science people. Well, you know what? She never took an SAT, she never took an ACT, and she still got a college degree, and she runs the children's department at her church right now, you know, and so I think we need to let our kids make decisions, because when we are always telling them what to do, 
in high school, especially, we are raising our kids to follow. We are raising our kids to be dependent on their teacher, dependent Mm -hmm. on their mom and dad. And when they leave, they don't know how to do things for themselves. So I will tell you too, my kids all have said, mom, thank you so much for what you did in high school. My, and Gentry, especially when she was a junior in college, we were driving out to my parents' farm and she's like, mom, thank you so much. My friends, they didn't have a clue how to do anything when they got to college. They didn't have study skills. They didn't know how to manage their time. They didn't know anything. And see, my kids in ninth grade for a semester, every Monday, we planned their week and they wrote it down. And after that, they pretty much planned the rest of their high school. Yes, I checked on them and we talked about it, but they wrote their own lesson plans or their own guides And that gave them some leadership skills as well. They were taking leadership in their education. That is so helpful. I love that. I love the, um, that you took the time at the beginning of high school to train them to do that. And then you release that because I know sometimes parents can expect their kids to manage their time in high school, but if they've never been trained to do it, They're not just born naturally doing that. Are there any other things that you've done like that with high schoolers where you've just taught them things that were so helpful, like the time management and things? That to me was the biggest thing. Now, I will say when they were younger, they actually got a weekly lesson plan. They put it in a a page protector and had a dry erase marker and they would check it off. They were used to being able to follow a schedule. I don't believe in being tied to a checklist. I think too many moms um, are tied to a checklist. It's this mentality of I've got to do checklists and compare myself to the school system. A checklist, I compare myself to the uh, social media and what everyone's doing. I think that is a bad attitude about checklist. Mm -hmm. I'm not saying get rid of all checklists. I love checklists. I love to check things off. But I think they serve a purpose. We don't live according to the checklist. I also think that means that life comes up sometimes and things may happen and we may not finish everything. We did not ever finish a a subject in a year. The only one were those humanity classes because they were set by weeks and we pretty much, we may pretty much, we did follow that. But um, like even in history, I remember we were in the middle of ancient Rome and then we take the summer off, whether you agree or not, but we took the summer off. And then um, Labor Day, we picked it up and I pulled out our guide that we were following. We were using something called TruthQuest History. And I start reading the commentary and oh my goodness, it is the year of Katrina hitting New Orleans. I think it was Katrina. And the things that, that we were reading in Rome were the things happening in that stadium oh, wow. in New Orleans. Wow. And so, you know, we took a break. If I had squeezed all of that in the year before, we would not have had that at that timing that God brought about. And so we just kept going. I was a public school teacher. I never finished a textbook as a public school teacher either. So (laughs) I just think give yourself some grace. And in high school, give your kids some ability to make some decisions for themselves, what they study and how they study it. I'll give you one more example. It's not mine. Um, it's my friend, Andrew Pudua, who founded um, IEW, Institute mm. for Excellence in Writing. And this was many years ago, but um, 
he was going to teach his daughter biology, I think. And he said, okay, daughter, here's the textbook. I want you to go through and pick 10 topics in this textbook that you're interested in. And so she did. Came back the next week. Here's my 10. He says, okay, we'll put that textbook away. All right, where's topic one? You're going to spend this month studying every, we're going to go to the library and you're going to study whatever this topic is and then write a paper at, on it um, and be by the end of this month. And so instead of just using the textbook to teach, he used it just as a guide and she got to choose what parts That's of biology. That's really beautiful. So different, you know, but um, this, and I'm like, you know what? Do we, how much of biology do we all remember if we're not in the field of biology, you know, right, I don't right. need to know every single detail about it all. So that's really anyway. true. Well, Carrie, thank you so much for being with me. And before I let you go, I would love to hear about your life skills leadership summit. If oh, well, thank you. Share about that. Well, first of all, thank you for being one of our speakers and yes. one of our sponsors. <laughs> I'm so excited. I've been working hard on this. Well, um, I don't really know. I guess about a year ago, I decided I wanted to do something with leadership. And yet my moms in my group were also talking about life skills. And I just felt like they really meshed really well together. And so I said, well, you know what? There's a lot of homeschool events, online events, just general homeschooling. I'm going to do something a little more specific. And so we created Life Skills Leadership Summit. I did not know, excuse me, how how much moms were hungry for this. Mm. It really hit. Like I got so much feedback. They were like, we need this. We need this because we get so caught up in the academics. And so, um, and we do need to prepare our kids for real life. So what Life Skills Leadership Summit is, there are two tracks every day. You will have part of the leadership track and part of the life skills track. The leadership track will cover four or five topics. One is just general leadership skills. The other is character, godly character for leaders. Another one is love of learning and lifetime learners that we talked about. And then the last one is critical thinking skills. I really didn't talk much about that, but that's where I sort of focus in our teen years was teaching my kids critical thinking skills and decision making. Um, and so there are some ways that you can do that. So if any, each of those is covered on one day and that's our leadership track. Then we have a life skills track. So it just depends on the day. We have different life skills like communication skills, relationship, time management, um, organization and scheduling. We have business skills and entrepreneurship. We have money management skills and self-care and not selfish care, self-care in that we need to take care of ourselves to be able to do what God calls us to do. And so it's from a more of a biblical perspective. I think self-care, some people go, I'm not doing that. I'm like, it's not <laughs> selfish. It's like, we need to put the mask on first before we go save our child if right. we're on the airplane, because we can't really do anything if we're sick all the time. Right. Um, so those are the two tracks. We have 30 speakers over 50 sessions. It is completely free to attend. If you want to listen to like every, we will release sessions on Monday. And if I release a session on Monday at 10 o'clock, you have 24 hours to listen to it for free, mm-hmm. completely free all week long. Um, and so every day we will be opening and closing different sessions. And so there's a free ticket. I know Meredith will share a link 
to this. Yes, I will share a link in the show notes. And if you're listening, this is episode 153. And um, the, the link is in the show notes and you'll be able to go and go ahead, Carrie. So there is the basic free pass. And in that um, free pass, you will get 24-hour access. Um, and so if it releases at 10 o'clock, you can pick it. You can watch it till 10 o'clock the next day. And then the next day you get more sessions. So all day long, you're getting new sessions and you can watch it completely free. The other thing the basic pass gets is a swag bag. The swag bag is actually worth I don't know if we figured it out, but at least over $400, you'll get freebies, you'll get discounts and all sorts of things from our sponsors and our speakers. So that's all there. And you'll also get the kickoffs. Before I go on to the VIP, I do want to say we are partnering with a group called Unbound. They are fighting against Mm -hmm. human trafficking. And on Tuesday night, they will do a free class for moms and parents to know what to look for, what to look for when it comes to the internet to keep your kids safe. On Wednesday night, they are doing a class for students to be able to come and prepare them to just be aware of things to stay away. Because too often we think um, human trafficking is just kidnapping. And usually it's someone that our children actually know if it ends up Mm. happening. Wow. So that is Unbound. We support them and give part of our percentages to Unbound as well. For some moms, they can't watch all of it in that time. So we do offer a VIP package. You get lifetime access. You can listen to whatever you can listen to this week. And maybe you do listen to all your elementary school stuff. And then um, maybe in a year, you've got middle schoolers. So you go back and listen to the middle school stuff or whatever. You have lifetime access to all of it. And in the VIP, we have a bundle of items that our sponsors sell, and they're giving it to you completely free. Meredith has a states um, United States book that she is offering that you may have seen. And so if you get the VIP pass, then you can um, get part of the bundle as well. So thank you for being our sponsor and offering some of those things as well, Meredith. Well, Carrie, I'm so excited to be a sponsor and a speaker because I really believe in and support what you're doing. And um, I will be praying for you as you prepare and put this on. And I am excited. I've set aside that week to listen in on as many sessions as I can. I'm really looking forward to it. So God bless you. And thank you so much for being part of our podcast today. Well, thank you. Thank you for listening to Finish Well Homeschooling Podcast with Meredith Curtis and the Finish Well team. Please listen in every first and third Monday of each month at 7 p.m. Eastern Time here at the Ultimate Homeschool Podcast Network.